Let's check out some clips from what I think is a very moving and interesting interview with a young man who was raised as a believer, became an ardent atheist, and then rediscovered his faith in Christ. What he says, Bill, I think really brings home some of the things you've talked about in your work, like the role of reason in the Christian faith, how the Holy Spirit can use arguments and evidence, and so on. And this is from the Exploring Reality podcast, hosted by Than Christopoulos, who interviews CJ. I wanted to give him a, a shout out. And here's the first clip. Uh, and that's where I was confirmed in the Lutheran faith. Confirmation was sixth, seventh, and eighth grade. And I would say, to sort of give you a picture of, of my, my faith at that time, I didn't really understand what Christianity was for probably that entire time. Mm -hmm. uh, I could have told you that it was about Jesus. I could have told you that the Bible had something to do with it. Mm -hmm. And I could have told you that I believed in God and heaven and angels. Like I could have told you the general stuff, yeah. but if you would have asked me, you know, what does it mean to be a Lutheran as opposed to a Baptist or a Catholic or an Anglican or anything like that? I would have said, what are those things and who are you? Because I yeah. wouldn't have been having those conversations. Bill, in all fairness to our Lutheran friends, uh, they would say that uh, that was what the confirmation classes were for that he yeah. took uh, <laughs> to explain the Christian faith. Nevertheless, he came away not knowing much of anything. Yeah, I myself also went through confirmation classes at about the same age in a mainline church as a non-Christian. And I have to say that they were just meaningless to me, I was clueless as to what this stuff was about. So I can testify personally that it's possible for a Christian to go through all these classes and it just goes in one ear and out the other. I want to play this next clip because many of us can relate. CJ talks about his pesky attitude and motivation. Next clip. Sometimes philosophy and theology can be a little bit pesty when you're yeah. talking about people about their worldviews. So. Uh, for me, it was just, I was leaning too heavily into that. And more yeah. importantly than that, I wasn't arguing with people because I was interested in them or their beliefs. I was arguing to win. I, I was yeah. arrogant and I was frustrating and I wanted to feel better about myself at the time. So there was no better way to do that than to arm yourself with a bunch of useless political knowledge and throw it at people at the speed of yeah, light exactly. when they were least expecting it. I think we've all been through that, Bill. There was a time when I would argue with a fence post and was mostly interested in hearing myself talk. <laughs> yeah. I, I think it's odd that he apparently knew some philosophy uh, as a non-Christian, but apparently he never thought to apply it to his Christian belief. He, he would argue about these other things, but he never seemed to reflect philosophically upon his own Christian worldview, uh, which I found rather odd. In this next clip, CJ's friend starts asking questions and CJ has no answers. I had always thought that God existed. Mm. I never really had any serious considerations of, are there different kinds of Christian theological perspectives? You know, what does it mean to be a Christian? why do we affirm various ecclesial commitments over others, right? I didn't really understand these kinds of things. So 
when he started bringing up questions about the LPE or the logical problem of evil or the evidential problem of evil or questions of, of God's, God's omniscience and omnipotence and whether or not God can do things that are seemingly logically contradictory. These are all, this is all very basic stuff. This yeah. is nothing novel, but if you're, if you're raised in a faith tradition that's exclusively devotional and not intellectual in any sense, you don't have any of the tools or any of the, yeah. you know, any of the, the hardware to deal with these questions. Hmm. His friend had him with the problem of evil, Bill, and, uh, mm-hmm. and he talks about being raised in a devotional versus an intellectual faith tradition. Yes, it's such a shame that these seem to be regarded as mutually exclusive. Uh, we need to have a marriage of uh, both the mind and the heart that inculcates a deep devotion to God and to Jesus Christ, but also a kind of tough-mindedness that asks the hard questions and and, and thinks long and deep about these issues. In this next clip, CJ does a search on YouTube to get some answers. I started asking some Christian friends around me, and some of them may watch this video, and I just want to let them know because they'll know who they are. Um, This is not a condemnation of you, right? We were Mm -hmm. both in the same position of not really not really having an intellectual approach to the faith. So because of that, when I asked them these questions too, because I finally let myself be curious about these kinds of questions, they either didn't have an answer or gave me answers that I found were incredibly lackluster. Mm -hmm. And part of that was because I started getting, I think I, I remember distinctly the first night when I actually went on YouTube and I looked up um christianity because i was just you know i'm just i'm just confused i don't really know what's going on so i'm like i'm gonna look up christianity and i found the debate between bill craig and christopher hitchens oh really okay that was that was one of the first things that came up and i certainly wasn't watching that whole thing but i watched a little bit of it i think i only watched bill craig because i thought christopher hitchens was scary so i didn't like watching christopher hitchens Um, but I was, I was watching, I was watching, there was, it was like this British guy who was like really into, I know Hitch, Hitchens is terrifying if you don't know anything <laughs> about philosophy. <laughs> and, and the funny thing is, is I'm, I'm listening to, to Bill Craig and, and I'm listening to his case for the resurrection. And I had, I didn't even, I'm going to be totally honest with you. I don't even think I could have told you what a resurrection was. Hmm. Right. I think I knew what it meant for Jesus to be raised from the dead. I think I think I knew that that's what I thought, but I never heard it spoken in the terms of like resurrection arguments for resurrection, historical arguments for the resurrection. I'd never been familiar with this. But my YouTube feed started getting popularized with these videos of like Christopher Hitchens destroys or like Sam Harris uh hmm. exposes theology or something like that. I started getting those kinds of videos and I couldn't help but start clicking on a couple of them. And I got the conversation between Sam Harris and Bill Craig, where he goes on talking about how the God of the Old Testament is some psychopath, right? Yeah. He oversees suffering on a level that would embarrass the most ambitious psychopath and, and rhetoric yeah. like that. And I watched those videos and I was like, I don't know what to say to any of this. I mean, is this, is this, really, is this, really, what, is this really what I think? Yeah. And I started asking those questions. Well, then I started putting up blocks. I was like, you know, I, I shouldn't be watching this kind of stuff because... I've always been told that the that you know Jesus Christ is the way the truth and the life and without him you know without belief in Jesus I couldn't even be a good person so I was like I need mm. to shut this down right now 
because if any of this starts meaningfully eating away at my ability to believe, I don't know what I'm going to do. I think this is important, Bill. Uh, the YouTube algorithms are populating his feed with mostly atheist material that apparently crowded out your material, and he starts to absorb it against his better judgment. Now, if you and I say that we should avoid those atheist videos, we could be accused of uh, not pursuing the truth, or not hearing both sides, or self-censorship, etc. So what's the answer here? I think that he's absolutely correct that the untrained person should avoid these sorts of sources because he's simply not equipped to handle them. Uh, it's like throwing someone who can't swim into the deep end of the pool. Um, before you begin to venture into the deep water, you need to get some training. You need to learn how to swim. Uh, we don't send people out to war without having them go through basic training first. And, and so I, I think that his naive attitude actually is, is correct. Uh, before you begin to watch this negative material, you'd better be sure that you understand what you believe and why you believe it. And it's pretty clear that he didn't have that. Next, C.J. takes concerns about his faltering faith to one of his church staff. Here's what happens. But eventually, there was a moment where I had a conversation with who at the time at my Lutheran church, she was the uh, one of the education directors there. And I had I had sort of expressed to this to this person my concerns and my doubts just very briefly. And I got a very, very poorly written and very accusatory response hmm. of like, of like, you know, you know, I'll talk to you about this, but I don't want to debate about it. I'll, I'll you know, basically, basically, I'll tell you the answers but I don't want you to, I don't want you to be disagreeing. Hmm. Right. And I think part of that was because I had a very disagreeable temperament and because I tend to be very difficult to deal with. Yeah. But I also think part of it is that that kind of conversation probably would have been novel to this person. I was just going to say who was raised in that same faith tradition. And I don't think that she really wanted to have the kind of conversation that would meaningfully challenge both of our faiths. Right. I, I almost want to say I respect that. It's mm -hmm. just the way she probably, I don't know, I don't know what the letter was like, but based off the way you're describing it, right, she probably could have worded it better and just been more honest and upfront with where, like humans, we tend to do that a lot, right? It's like, mm -hmm. hey, I, I, there's this, there's this, she, in her words, okay, I'm, I'm imagining I'm her. Well, let's, let's put it that way. Mm -hmm. If I'm writing you that letter, it's a lot easier to say, hey, I'm going to give you the answers, but I don't want you to get, like give objections. It's a lot easier to be like that than to say, hey, I know some of the answers, but I have no clue how to talk about the topics. I don't understand mm -hmm. the topics. I just know the answers. So right. I'm not the right person to talk to about that kind of stuff. Like that's harder to say because you have to kind of swallow your pride a little bit. Right. So I almost want to say I respect her. For, like I respect that answer that she was giving. Like that's at least better than some of the stories I've heard in the past of some other people. Right. right? And I think, I think initially my reaction to it more than anything, I think I was just hurt. Hmm. If it, it, it really felt to me like I was asking these questions in good faith, and I was asking these questions with, with an honest desire to remain Christian. And it really felt like everybody that I asked either didn't have an answer or uh, didn't want me to argue with them about it. Yeah. 
And the only way that I knew how to vocalize my doubts was to be argumentative and to ask a lot of questions. Mm -hmm. And I can totally see how that would be difficult to deal with. And I can totally mm -hmm. see how that would even seem, you know, may even be disrespectful in the way that I went about it many times during that time. But, you know, I, I look back at it now and all I can say is, you know, I don't think anyone did anything wrong. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think, you know, she set clear boundaries and wanted to have a conversation that wasn't super contentious. And what I needed was a contentious conversation to yeah. reckon with these kinds of things. I think we just both both needed different things. Is there anything church staff can learn from this clip, Bill? Oh, I certainly think so. Uh, CJ is incredibly gracious. Uh, he bends over backwards not to blame this Christian Ed uh, staff director for the way she handled this, which, which I think was reprehensible. She didn't want to debate. She didn't want to have uh, this conversation. Um, I think that's terrible. I, I love conversations like this when people come to me uh, after Defenders class and we'll talk about things they've been struggling with. Uh, I think of Tim Stratton uh, and his experience as a youth pastor. Tim said that a young man uh, came into him and wanted to talk to him about doubts he was having as a result of reading Stephen Hawking's work and the work of other scientists. And Stratton said, I didn't have a clue what he was talking about. And he said, I'll never forget his reaction. He said, this young man broke into tears and left Tim's office. And he said, he's never darkened the door of the church again. Uh, and that really awakened something in Tim Stratton. He said, there was a, a language here uh, of the youth culture that I did not understand, that I was not equipped to deal with. And so he began to pursue uh, education in these areas. And, and I think that this is a wake-up call for our church staff. Uh, they need to get equipped to be able to deal with these kinds of questions. In a recent podcast, Kevin, we talked about Justin Brierley's prediction that there may be coming into the church refugees from the meaning crisis in our culture that has been occasioned by the new atheism. And he, he asked the question, are we ready to receive these refugees? We better be ready. We've got to equip, uh, be equipped to deal with people like CJ who have got serious and honest questions, uh, lest we alienate them from Christ for the rest of their lives. Next, C.J. is overwhelmed by what he calls theistic objections. He means arguments against theism. Check out this clip. It wasn't necessarily any particular argument. I was sort of overwhelmed by classic theistic objections with no meaningful way to address any of them. Oh, Whether so it's or not like a baby boy, huh? <laughs> yeah, it was. It was. Funnily <laughs> enough, yeah, it was. It was. It was no particular argument that I said this is the argument that convinces me that God doesn't exist. And I didn't even initially say God didn't exist. In fact, my claim initially was, it went from, I believe that God exists and that it's the God of scripture to, I believe that God exists, but I mean, I don't really know the rest mm -hmm. of it. And then it went from that to, I don't really know if God exists. 
And then it went from that to, I don't know, guys, I think it's probably not true that God exists. Mm-hmm. And then the pendulum started swinging further and further. And eventually I, I went into what I affectionately call, you know, an angry atheist phase, if you will. Yeah. Um, when I started, this was towards the beginning of the pandemic in 2020, where I got really interested in online conversations about theism, um, even though I, at this point, still had never opened a theology book. <laughs> I, had, I had never opened a theology book, but I was convinced that I was ready to go argue with with theologians and philosophers about whether or not God exists. I was armed with 12 hours of clips from various online atheist shows. And mm-hmm. I was armed with, you know, my favorite lines from my favorite new atheists. And I was ready to start putting these Christians to shame. A little knowledge is dangerous, Bill. Yes, indeed. When he speaks of theistic objections, uh, it's clear he means atheistic objections, objections to belief in God, and these overwhelmed him. Uh, And yet notice the ignorance here. He's never opened a theology book uh, in his life. And what he learned was the favorite lines, he says, of the uh, atheist subculture, the the slogans that you can use. Uh, This is a kind of superficial atheism that is uninformed. And the combination, Kevin, of ignorance and arrogance is so deadly. Um, if you're ignorant, but you're humble and willing to learn, then that's not so bad. That's not fatal. On the other hand, if you're, if you're arrogant, but you're brilliant and well-informed, uh, that may be a bad character, but it, it's not fatal in the way the combination of ignorance and arrogance is because your arrogance prevents you from realizing how ignorant you are and therefore you never learn anything. And I fear that too many unbelievers in our secular culture are afflicted with this deadly combination of arrogance and ignorance. Here's the next clip. CJ moves increasingly toward atheism. Once I got over the initial fear of Hitchens, I watched a lot of Hitchens, a lot of Dennett, a lot of Harris, yeah, um, all that kind of stuff. If, if there was a new atheist that was prominent and had a video of them destroying religious people, I watched it at the time. One thing that you will notice, though, about that story is at no point during me being a Christian or leaving Christianity did I ever articulate me gaining or understanding any kind of critical thinking skills. Yeah. So at this point, I've still not read any epistemology. I'm not familiar at all with with philosophy of mind, philosophy of religion. Again, Bill, it's widely known that provocative titles get more views, and he's mm-hmm. attracted to those glaring titles that say "atheist destroys pastor" or "so and so instantly regrets it after hearing yes. these arguments," things like that. So yeah, and yet it's striking that what C.J. said is that he had no critical thinking skills during this time, which is very revealing. Next up, C.J. reflects on his personal attributes that contributed to his move to atheism. Check this out. I had some pretty extremist political beliefs at the time. And I'll put it this way. Extremist beliefs in one part of your life tends to habitate extremist beliefs in other other parts of your life, even if you Mm -hmm. don't know it consciously. So 
becoming like a very radical anti-theist was very compatible with the kind of political shift that I was having at the mm -hmm. time to extremist political beliefs. So all of this stuff is sort of coalescing together and it's all happening in the mind of somebody who's 17 years old. Yeah. It's like my brain's not fully developed. I'm 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 smart, but I'm not really well read and I have a disagreeable arrogant streak that makes me unwilling to acknowledge my fallibility. Mhm. Mm and all of those things concocted together to make what were the worst 2 years of my life leaving mm. Lutheran Christianity, and then being an atheist, being an anti-theist. And I was just, I was, I had become convinced through that, through those two year period, that I was some kind of genius that had all the answers about theology, and that everyone else was just dumb or evil. But the realization came to my head that while I may have given up all of my Christian convictions, I simply replaced them with fundamentalist secular convictions, hmm. functionally. I didn't get rid of the part of my decision-making process that was intuition-based, or the part of my decision-making process that was completely ignorant of any kind of basic critical thinking. I didn't start investing myself in relevant literature. I didn't do any of that. I just replaced one bad epistemic commitment with another one. Hmm. And it hit me like a ton of bricks that I had to start doing the work because if I didn't, I was going to be doomed to keep pendulum swinging. You know, initially it was hard to do. I decided to try to throw away my pride. Yeah. And that I and that I needed to start reading more, listening more, and talking less. That's something I had to learn a lot too. And there is nothing like talking to experts in different fields to get me to be like, man, I'm an idiot. I just need to shut up. <laughs> right? Like I, I like, I I'm like talking to Oppie, talking to Rasmussen, talking to different like biblical scholars about different things. Typically I'm just like, okay, I'm here. I'm a sponge. Give it to me. Now, now that's what I'm like right now where before I remember mm. when I was first like studying these things. Um, when I was an atheist, I used to think Pete, I used to have the thought, Bill Craig is an idiot, right? <laughs> Which I'm sure you've heard like other atheists say before. Mm -hmm. And now it's okay. Well, I'm a Christian, so obviously I, I obviously I probably like what he has to say now. But I'm still like anytime Bill Craig is talking, even though I think he's wrong in a lot of stuff, I'm still like mm -hmm. listening. You know what? It's it's a lot easier to just shut up and listen. <laughs> Personal attacks, as suspected, are often nothing more than sour grapes. And arrogance, Bill. Yes. What I found interesting about CJ's remarks was the way in which politics tended to coalesce with theology and that extremist views in one area were united with extremist views in the other area. I think that's very telling. And yet, did you notice it didn't bring him happiness? These were the worst two years of his life uh, that he spent as an ardent atheist. And he had just switched one set of fundamentalist beliefs for another set of fundamentalist beliefs. And then it was interesting at the end, did you notice the two people he named? He mentioned Graham Oppie and then Josh Rasmussen, one an atheist, one uh, a theist, uh, uh, very, very sophisticated thinkers that he began to read. Bill, there are several more clips that we could play here. We kind of cut to the chase here. Uh, the traditional arguments for God and the resurrection started bringing him back. He mentions Alvin Plantinga as instrumental in his, in his journey. 
He was reading some heavy stuff, Bill. His situation is relatively rare, I think. A lot of people uh, who are coming to Christ don't don't read the heavy stuff that he reads. Mm -hmm. And soon, these intellectual grounds that he's been working on for a long time, reading gave way to conviction that it was true. But um, one thing that, that, that came out to me, Bill, is that if you're going to go the intellectual route to God and the claims of Christ, then you need to do the hard work yeah. and ensure that you read and you listen to the wealth of good information that's available from the body of Christ. Yes, it struck me that it took C.J. about six to eight months, he says, uh, which is a remarkably short time. That That's something that all of us could invest, I think, in familiarizing ourselves with the grounds for a good Christian world and life view. Uh, and my takeaway from this whole video of his spiritual journey is that it underlines the importance of people in the church to be well-equipped. Otherwise, we're going to lose our youth. We're going to lose the next generation as CJ was nearly lost. And so that's the takeaway, I think, from watching this remarkable life story is that we have got to be equipping ourselves in the local church in order to deal with honest inquirers of this sort. 